you that we can end, God, on that. And just that we're singing praise right now to you. And let that just be something we take with us um, into this time from your word. And as we uh, pray and end this time of worship at the end of a service, that it doesn't end for our praise, that we take it um, with us that we're praising you in the car on the way home. We're praising you in time with our families. We're praising you in the quiet times. Uh, And even, Lord, when things get a little busy and crazy, uh, take a minute just to catch your breath and praise you, God, for who you are. Praise you for the opportunities that you put us in to help us flip that perspective and say, yeah, things might be a little busy, a little crazy, but why? What's, What's the purpose here beyond maybe what I just see in front of me? Uh, Lord, just help us be aware, be mindful, and again, to sing praise to you. Amen. Well, morning. How's everybody doing today? Other than being very, very cold. Although, uh, maybe you're all used to it. Uh, I think I'm still getting used to it. Uh, been a new level of cold recently, uh, but God's good no matter what. And so today uh, we'll be in our series, Why? And um, if you maybe you're joining us online or you're here in person, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And uh, this series uh, for me was really just kind of working through some hard stuff in the fall uh, when we uh, had a miscarriage, and uh, now we're uh, expecting another baby, so we're excited about that. But, you know, the pain of those things never seems to, to fully go away. We always ask those questions, uh, why? You know, why did that happen, or why do other things happen in life? And so what I wanted to do in this series was just kind of go uh, right back to the beginning. Uh, I feel like it was hard to answer questions of great difficulty and significance and of, uh, you know, big theology, unless we could go right back to the beginning and say, well, why did it all start? And so we talked about creation, and uh, today we're going to be talking about marriage. So why marriage? Um, and I think when we hear that, some of us who have been married for a while, you know, may go, well, you know, it's a message for somebody else today. Uh, but there's always things that we can learn. There's always things that we can grow on and do better in, in our marriage relationships. And uh, so before we jump into it, I wanted to share a quick video with you. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screens. So guys, tell me exactly what's been going on. I feel like he shuts down and never wants to talk about how he's feeling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to tear down that wall. Really open it up in here. Perfect. That's what I want. She doesn't understand the pressures I have at work. It's a lot to bear, and I have to do it on my own. You definitely have a load-bearing issue, that's for sure. But don't worry. Huh. Where's that stud? Exactly! Where's the stud I married? The one that... Here we go again, talking about how I've let myself go. I you know how many wads I do? Oh, I'd be like, you're going to have to get started right away. Hey! Huh. Looks like you got shiplap under here. Knowing your marriage is kind of like this new light fixture I just installed. Well, it's actually like this light bulb. You get what I'm saying? Are you saying I need a new light bulb? What? No, 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 no. Your marriage just needs a little spark. Are you even an electrician? Are you guys ready to see the latest addition to your lovely home? Yeah. Yeah. They are sure to bring this marriage back to good. (laughs) Ta-da! What is this? It's a dog. Hey. 
See, nothing brings a couple closer together than having a common purpose, like being able to take care of a dog. Gets you more responsibility when it comes to taking care of the kids. The kids? No! no. Whose kids are these? You can't be serious. Oh, hey, don't no. worry. We're turning John's office into a guest suite, so when the in-laws come to move in, you know, everything will be taken care of. You got rid of my office? Oh, come on, like you ever did any work in there. Not now, Brooke. Mommy and Daddy are fighting again. Oh, no! I told you guys, you weren't ready for kids. These aren't our kids! Well, it looks like our work is done here. Good job, honey. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. So maybe... You're, uh, you're thinking, how can I improve? Maybe you're looking for some help. I wouldn't look there because it's not real. Uh, but that was just a little bit of fun. And so I always, you know, I'm thinking about marriage and, and just um, you know, improvement. And um, as Christy and I have been able to work with couples over the years, uh, I always think about, you know, how we can improve. And we always go back to that point we first think about when we met each other and we got married. I remember uh, when Christy walked in uh, the classroom at one of my college classes and you guys know how it is, you know, the, everything goes into slow motion and the music starts to play and, uh, you know, the rest is history, right? And so from that point on, I knew, and this is the woman that God wants me to marry. And maybe you haven't, have had a similar situation like that before. And then as time, you know, goes on, you encounter difficulty and opposition. And you try to work through those things and it can be difficult. And I think God's got some really simple guiding steps for us really to address any area of life as we walk through marriage together. Uh, and so <clears throat> I don't know where you're at coming here today. Maybe you've been married 5, 10, 20 years. Maybe you're about to get married. Maybe you're newlyweds. And so uh, for anybody listening, there's always hope no matter where you're at. And there's always this ability to say, okay, these things are great. How can I work on this one thing, maybe to make it a little bit better? Uh, and so <clears throat> one of the things I've used the last couple of years, um, Christy and I got on with uh, Symbus. Uh, it's basically this is Symbus marriage assessment. It's done by a couple of uh, doctors, psychologists who are also believers, and they put this program together just to kind of help assess marriage. And so wherever you're at, um, I'd love to maybe just shoot that out to you, give you the opportunity to fill that out. It's a little survey. Um, then it would give us the opportunity to visit afterwards and just kind of talk about that. What are some things we need to work on? What are some things that are going great? Uh, and just give you the ability to maybe walk through that. And so that's a tool I'm just going to offer to you guys again at the end. And so, again, wherever you're at, maybe things are great. Uh, maybe things are rough, and you just go, I just want to know a little bit more about that person sitting next to me, okay? And so as we walk through this together, I want to um, just give us a little bit of context for walking through this book. So we'll be in Ephesians, so if you don't already have your Bible, and turn there to Ephesians chapter 5. It's probably a text you've heard before, maybe at a marriage ceremony. Maybe you've heard this in a service before, but I hope today um, God is uh, going to show us something different. Maybe just press on our hearts a little bit in this area. Before we jump into it, I want to go over just a couple of errors. I think we, we get in marriage, maybe we think about how marriage is supposed to be when we're going into it. Uh, maybe we get into marriage and we've been in it for a while, 5, 10, 20 years, and you think, you know, things are going okay, but... I'm not sure we're clear in this one area, so I um, just want to go over a couple areas before we jump into Ephesians. Uh, so there's one thing that people do. They kind of prize marriage so highly that it's more important them, to them than God is. Um, it's, uh, it's this place where if this other person doesn't do everything that I like, uh, doesn't make me completely happy, then I will be dissatisfied, and I won't want to be a part of this relationship anymore. Uh, another area is 
well, you know, marriage is it's not that big of a deal. And, um, you know, like what culture would say, just hang out with each other, you know, just live together for a while and then maybe you'll figure it out. Uh, and so that's another one of those errors. We don't, we don't want to go so far that we go marriage and this other person is more important than God. But we also don't want to go marriage isn't important because it's been designed in, by God and given to us for a specific reason. And so maybe as we think about maybe these two different ideas, or maybe even we're in this position of, yes, marriage is important. We know that God made and he wants us to uh, celebrate that together and rightly, but we have a hard time maybe just kind of sharing with people where we're at. Maybe just going like, hey, here's, you know, yeah, these things are great, but maybe we could work on this, right? We, we like to think of ourselves in this, you know, Facebook or Instagram marriage type of way. And what I mean by that is uh, you, you see a post by somebody, they put it up, Hey, you know, everything's going so great, and marriage is great. It's that holiday picture, the whatever, you know. And, uh, but you never see anything about how sometimes things are difficult, how sometimes as you try to work through loving each other in marriage, sometimes things are difficult. And God teaches us a lot through those things. But, so we can't fall to that place either that we, you know, we can't be honest with somebody at some point and go, here's one space we might need help, okay? And we're doing this together, so why wouldn't we share those things? And so again, the phrase I want you to remember is just Simba. It actually stands for Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. Um, this couple um, that uh, created this program many years ago um, started it as a premarital counseling, but it's actually turned into more of a, like a marriage assessment. So where are you at? Where are you going? Um, what's just a few things you can work on? Okay, let's be thinking about it as we read through this. So we'll be in Ephesians 5, verses uh, 22 through 24 first. And the first fill in the blank is just a greater... A greater purpose found. A greater purpose found. Uh, and so in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And I found a quote uh, that I like, just Martin Luther talking about marriage. He said, There's no more lovely, friendly, or charming relationship, communion, or company than a good marriage. But we have to understand why it works well together, and that can be the case. So, we hear this word, and a lot of times, you know, ladies, when we see this, we're going like, you don't know my husband. <laughs> and I know that, that God didn't, you know, he didn't mean that for me because, you know, I know he wants me to be happy. And if I do that, then it'll be difficult. Well, let's look at that word. So submit, adios in the Greek, it uh, actually is kind of better translated uh, as be subject to your own. So a lot of times people will read this, you'll hear this in church, and, and, and somebody might say, uh, you must be subject to all men everywhere. And that's not the case. So when the Scripture is talking about this, this is this uh, relationship he's comparing it to, Paul, is between Christ and the church. So when we read this, we go, okay, we have to understand what it means. And then this marriage relationship, the way God has designed it, we might live and operate in a certain way. And it's this, to be subject to your own. And the same uh, actual phrase is used in 1 Peter 3.1. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some... Do not obey the word. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So what is this attitude meant to emphasize? Uh, trust, and companionship, going, God, we know you designed this in a specific way to work well. And when uh, a wife can respect and be subject to her own husband, then that can go a lot better. And so when we read this, like what First Peter says, even for those, maybe somebody who's gotten saved before they were believers and, and wife comes to know the Lord, uh, what does the scripture say? to be subject to your own, submit to your own husband so that he might be won over. Now, I know guys, we think like, yeah, that's right, <laughs> submit. And then we kind of go, let's just leave it at that. 
Well, if we keep reading through Ephesians, we see that there's this simple command for the wife, and then there's this long list for the guys. Because guys, don't we need like a lot more instruction? Like wives are like, be, be respectful, follow your husband or he leads. And then the guys get this kind of extended version of this. And so before we jump into that, I just want to remind us as we read this, I think sometimes people have taken this and gone, if you're being treated poorly, if you're being beat up, if you're being verbally abused, then, then just, you know, God just wants you to sin under that. And that's not what the text is saying. The text is saying, do your very best to follow your husband, to give authority and, di- and direction to him, not if you're being hurt, right? And we're not, we're not saying that. So abuse is never okay, okay? So hear me saying that and get help if that's going on. So whether you're listening online or here in person, uh, we need to do that uh, before we do anything else, okay? And then we jump to verse 23, and it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and it's him, himself, its Savior, so we have to ask this question. So if we understand this relationship between Christ and the church, then it should help us understand marriage as well. So, and we're going to see how that kind of bears weight on both sides of the marriage, both the husband and the wife. But we have to take these first steps to go, okay, do we really understand what God is saying to us? That the, for the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself, it's Savior. And there's a great weight and responsibility in that. Like when we stand before God, like God's not going to look at you as a wife and go, man, I, I can't believe you didn't lead, you know, in, in that marriage better. Uh, he's going to look at the husband and go, Where, where'd you guys end up spiritually together? Like what was the direct trajectory of your life? Because this matters. So he's got this, I wouldn't say higher expectation because he expects us equally to operate in marriage the way that he's designed. But he's saying, here is what the relationship should look like. And what did Christ do for the church? Well, we're going to see. So in verse 24, it says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. So again, the, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands. Now, is this ever going to work perfectly? Because I know we're thinking of examples like we're not looking at each other right. <laughs> but I know we're th- we think of examples. You know, wives go, well, man, if he would just... Yeah, I mean, he gets home, he just sits on the couch, and if he would just do this differently, if he would just lead us better, then, then I think I could be subject to his leadership. Then maybe I could be like, you know what, honey, I want to follow you, and you know, wherever you go, like whatever God's leading us, like I want to, you know, I want to do that together, and I trust you. But you're kind of mean sometimes, so I don't feel like it, right? Well, that's not what the text tells us. So, and a lot of times, if we could remove the way sometimes we feel about the situation and be able to go, God, this is the way that you designed it. We want to, we want to live in that. And we want to operate in that as best we can. And maybe things would go a little bit differently. So it's not always about the way we feel, too, because maybe you get in there like five, ten years of marriage, and you go, man, he is not the guy I thought he was, <laughs> right? And so it's similar, like when you see a couple who's going through marriage counseling, and uh, <laughs> and they go, man, what what happened? Well, they lost sight of God's direction, they lost sight of what was supposed to be the main purpose. And so second fill in the blank is going to be a greater love found. So we've got a, a greater purpose found. So how, how did God design things to operate? Why marriage to begin with? If what the statistics say, 50% of marriage marriages end in divorce. And why would we go that direction? Well, a lot of young people are having that attitude and they're going, yeah, we'll just live together. We'll just do this. We'll figure out and eventually we may get married. And guess what? The statistics don't change because practicing something a different way or waiting longer, just cohabitating doesn't fix the issue because the issue is our hearts, right? 
It's a maybe we start things out well, and then we just go losing sight of what God wants for this relationship, okay? And so a greater love found. So we've got greater purpose. We've got this greater love. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, whoa, well, wait a minute. <laughs> so the wife's supposed to be subject to her husband to lead him rightly. It's not uh, ever okay for abuse to take place. And then we get to this greater love that we can find. It says, husbands, love your wives. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, as guys, we go like, yeah, I can love her. I mean, I get her flowers, you know, every once in a while. I mean, I get chocolates, right? You know, Valentine's Day is coming up. So remember that, whatever your significant other likes. So be sure to, you know, get something, right? Because it shows that we love them. But this love that God's talking about, it's a little bit, you know, greater love than that. Like we would expect, maybe you hear something in the middle of the night, like you're sleeping and there's a noise. Does the... I mean, should the guy be looking over at the wife going like, hey, you should go check that out because I heard something and, man, I'm scared. So (laughs) what are we supposed to do even if we are? I mean, what is a man supposed to do? Like our culture is like lost sight of godly manhood, right? We go, it's okay for the guy to be, you know, maybe more feminine and like he's not going to go, you know, answer the call. No, you you should be the one getting out of bed and like running down there and going, you know, what's going on because what did Christ do for the church? And in simple ways, we do that all the time. We sacrificially love, don't we? Or we should, right? We shouldn't be looking over going, you should go check that out, okay? I know what's going on. We should be the first ones to do that, okay? He loved the church and gave himself up for her. We should be doing that daily. There's a lot of different ways you can do that, but just one example. So C.S. Lewis said this about marriage. When I've learned to love, love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. And so C.S. Lewis, if you look at his writings, he's got a lot of cool stuff he's written about. And we don't think about like um, him writing about marriage, but he does. And what he's saying here, he goes, if we could love God the most then everything else, our relationship with our spouse, it would be better. And so sometimes we go, I just, you know, like if, oh man, they're just like grading on me. They do that one thing. If they would just stop, maybe if we would just go, you know what, if I could love God better, if I could be so dedicated to him then maybe I'd have a better perspective. Maybe I'd be able to love my wife no matter what. No matter whatever she's doing, I could go, I love God, so I can love her no matter what happens, okay? Uh, and so this word here for love in the Greek, it's the word agape in Ephesians, and it's this unconditional love. And it's interesting because uh, God actually primarily uses this love when he talks about how he loves us. And there's this reason that that Paul's been given this illustration by God to share with us that it's this relationship like Christ has to the church. And what did Christ do? Well, he died for the church, and that's about as you know, big a sacrifice you can make. And he loved the church unconditionally. So he didn't go, you know what, guys? If you could get everything together, if you could like clean yourselves up, if you could just be those like Facebook and Instagram marriages, then like I will love you then. Like, you know, just get it together because I'm a little bit embarrassed by you right now. And so when you can get it together, then I will love you. Right? Is that what we're supposed to do? No. We're supposed to go, I love her. I love my wife like Christ loved the church, which means it would not matter what that person could do. You would still love them no matter what. So Timothy Keller said this about marriage, specifically talking to men. He said, men, you'll never be a good groom to your wife unless you're first a good bride to Jesus. Oh, that's kind of weird. Well, that's what the Scripture talks about. So the church as a whole is the bride of Christ. 
And so we'll be united with him at one point. He'll make everything right. And that's why this picture of marriage is so cool. When, we, when things start to go bad, specifically for, for guys, for us, for men, in the marriage relationship, it's because we lose sight of who we're supposed to love first. And each one of these guys that I'll reference, they're going to talk about loving God better. So if I can't do that first, then how am I going to be a good husband? Right? How am I going to be a good father? Well, I'm not going to be able to if I ignore God, if I don't want anything to do with Him, if I can't say God is the most important thing to me, and it won't work well. Now, verse 26 says that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water, with the word. So this word here for sanctify in the Greek, the hagaezo, uh, means to consecrate to God. So what, what's one of our purposes, guys? And I know you're thinking at this point, like the list has gotten kind of long. Like the wives, you're supposed to be subject to it. And then oh, all these things we're supposed to do, like, yeah, I mean, I was cool with like going downstairs and confronting the bad guy, right? But then you're talking about loving him no matter what. And wait a second, what else is going on here? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. What do I have to do now? Consecrate? Sanctify? How's that supposed to work? Well, it starts with, again, loving God first. So we found this greater love, and it's not about like constantly living in the state of like, oh, this person's so amazing, and they're so beautiful, and just like they never do anything wrong. Because that's not realistic, right? Because we make mistakes, right? Life changes, and we have to work through these things and go, no matter what, because I love God first, I'm going to be able to do this. And then, guys, we have this responsibility to sanctify what does that mean to consecrate to God to, and the way I see it lived out maybe best is just to give every opportunity for your wife to be able to grow spiritually. And so maybe that, just simple examples, maybe it's just like, you know, you get home for a tough day, like, you know, the kids are going crazy, you can tell it's been a rough day, you know what I mean? And, uh, and maybe you just go, hey, for a moment, maybe for a time, instead of me being selfish and like, I'm going to go sit on my chair I'm going to watch the news, watch the game, you know, now get me, give me a sandwich or something. No, you, you go, how can I give you a moment? How can I allow you to be close to the Lord? Because maybe your wife hasn't had that opportunity all day long. Maybe she's going to work too and you both get home and you're like, all right, my job's to sit on the couch, right? You take care of everything else. Maybe we go, what would be a way that I could help consecrate my wife to the Lord, that I would allow this opportunity for her? Because we're really good at being selfish, aren't we? <laughs> Like, that's not, that's not hard. That's like a default setting. So instead, we go, how can I give every opportunity? And guys, that, I think this means, too, for us that if we're going to help consecrate, if we're going to offer opportunity for our spouse to go, if we're going to give direction, then how are they supposed to respect and follow us if they, if they don't know that we're following God, too? Like, if maybe we go, yeah, I'm going to give her some opportunity. Yeah, go to that conference or do this thing. Or, you know, you should read your Bible, uh, what if we're hypocrites? What if we're not doing that ourselves? How are we supposed to lead? Well, we can't. So we want to give opportunity. We want to allow for spiritual growth. We want to lead rightly, but we can't do that unless we're the ones going, I'm going to be in the Word first. I'm going to take every opportunity that I have to grow closer to the Lord so that my spouse can do the same thing. So we're doing this together, but guys, we've got we to gotta take this seriously. In verse 27, it says, so that, so here's the reason, so that, when you see that in the scriptures, it's for a reason, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So there's this um, ultimate purpose, so there's this reason that Christ loved the church, so he might present the church to God without spot or wrinkle. I know the ladies are hearing that, like, without spot or wrinkle or blemish, that sounds good, right? Well, Jesus did this for the church. What did he do? He washed us in his blood so that he might present us right, cleanly, 
to God. And so we see this in this picture in Revelation 19, verses 6 through 8. i read it for us. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, the fine linen is righteous deeds of the saints. So why do we love weddings so much? I always think like, oh, it's a part of our culture. No, it's part of every culture, actually. Why do we like love that day? Like, why do we love Disney movies? It's like the guy and the girl, and they finally get together, and they get married. It's like, everything's so great, right? And that lasts for a moment, because that Disney magic, or whatever you want to call it, is earthly. It's circumstantial, isn't it? So the rubber really meets the road, and we go, oh, we're married. What does this mean? The wife might be subject to the husband, and the husband might what sacrificially live and sanctify. And with both of them having this picture, that's not about us, right? Because if it was about us, then things are always going to go bad really quick. Like she does something I don't like, I do something she doesn't like, then then we go, why are we doing this? And that's what the rest of the world does. Some of them go, well, we're going to tough it out, and that's part of that fifty percent. And there's other those other part of that fifty percent who stay together, those believers who are like, well, this is what we're supposed to do. So, I mean, like, uh, it's not going to be socially acceptable if we don't. Or we're going to be, you know, bad Christians. But, but what really is what we are supposed to be about? <laughs> Guys sacrificially loving their wives, and wives going, I'm going to I'm going to live under this setting that I um, ought to be under him and leadership. And it's supposed to paint this beautiful picture. Now we live in a world that's sinful, that's broken, right? And marriage can break at times, sometimes beyond repair, and there can be abuse and things. So I'm not going to make excuse, right? But, but if we look at this realistically, we go, God, what do you want for us? How do you want us to live and operate? How do you want this to go well? And he says that from the very beginning, here's how I want it to work. And it's this amazing picture of what Jesus is going to do in the future for us. He's going to go, hey, my bride's here, and he's made everything right. And he's presented her in such a way that God's like, awesome right? Disney moment, but it has never changed because he's fulfilled it once for all time. He's died for our sins. And there's this, I think, careful word that we need to take, guys, because um, here's what guys do a lot of the time. Even in Christian relationships, they go, well, you're supposed to do what I say, so I can do whatever I want. And I would be really, really careful before you say that, even in your own heart and mind, because God does not look kindly on men who would treat their wives poorly. And it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, it gives us a word of caution. There should be enough in the scripture for that because of how Christ loves his church. But here's another specific word of caution. Verse 7 of 1 Peter 3, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayer may not be hindered. I remember the first time I read that, I was like, right? I was like, whoa, okay, that's serious, right? Because why would God say that to men? Because he goes, hey, this relationship that Christ has with the church, it's so important to me. And when when Paul talks about it, he goes, you can't not take it seriously. Guys, there's this weight on you that that should bear on you every single day and go, I should be better than I am right now. Like me right now, I look back at like the guy who like got married, uh, 10 years, over 10 years ago. And I go, man, that guy did not know what he was doing. He was silly. He made a lot of mistakes. And, and truthfully, every five, 10 years, whatever we look down the road, we should be going like, man, 
that guy really needed improvement. And we never really arrive, do we? Because we live in sinful bodies, in a sinful state, in a sinful world. But God's given us this picture, and he goes, here's what it's supposed to look like. And we'll fall. And so, ladies, you can be gracious and forgive, right? Same thing uh, for the guys. We can, we can do that. And so in a marriage, we're supposed to operate in this way of grace. But guys, um, be careful. We should have our priorities ordered right. Uh, because, and I was thinking about that this week, and I was talking to Alana about something, and um, a Daniel Tiger song came up. Came up. So if you don't know Daniel Tiger, it's okay. It's like a little animated thing, spinoff of, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, yeah. Uh, so you know, we watch it a lot of times, and she starts singing the song, You Can Be More Than One Thing. And uh, they were talking about just like people who like maybe work as a profession here, they volunteer over here, uh, maybe they do something else over here, because we're not just one thing, right? But it's important to know what's the most important. And she, Alana started, she started rattle, rattling off some things. She said, you're a daddy, you're a pastor, firefighter. And I said, well, all those things are true, honey, but like, what do you think is the most important thing to me? And she goes, you're daddy first. Right? So that, good. I, that was a, you know, a good answer. Now I'm going, well, I love God first, but how do, how do I be a good daddy? How do I be a good husband? Because I've got this priority of things ordered. She goes, well, you're a pastor too, right? But daddy first to me. And I think that's, you know, if we think about those things, how God orders us and in our marriage relationships too, we should go, and I got to get this thing right with God. And then I can be better at the next thing, right? And being married, okay? Uh, And so then verse 28 says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So he loves us, we're a part of him, and in the same way, like guys, I know it's like, man, this was a long list. And we get to the point where we're going like, well, you wouldn't like not feed yourself, right? Guys are going, no, that's easy for me to do. Right? So you would not take care of yourself. You would not get up in the morning and, and take care of yourself, you know, get ready for the day. No, we're, we do this because we're one. That's this allusion to marriage, but Christ in the church. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So sometimes we think, well, we're separate entities. We want to keep everything separate. We don't, you know, we can be individual people, and that's true. We are. God's created us specifically and uniquely, but yet He's also created us together to operate in this unity. And if you look at what Paul like says throughout the book of Ephesians, he he really loves the Ephesian church, and he spent more time with them than any other church. And when he's writing to them, he knows what their issue is. It's a lack of unity. And what I, I just have been praying for that just over and over again. It doesn't seem like a week goes by where I'm not just like praying, like, hey, don't let us get divided over this. Hey, don't allow us to be divided over this because there's so many things going on that divide us, aren't there? It's a lot harder to be unified. Same thing in marriage. Satan whispers in her ear, oh, I can't believe he said that to you. Oh, I can't believe she did that. Can you believe that? And instead of going, and I'm going to take every one of those thoughts captive. You know what God's asked me to do? He's asked me to be a faithful and loving husband if a wives might be subject to or respect her husband and he says this at the very end too but i want to share another quote with you david jeremiah you may know him he said this the man who loves his wife above all else on earth gains the freedom and power to pursue other noble but lesser loves i can't tell you this is one of the things that has just shown the most for me in um, in our marriage in christy and i's marriage there's been a lot of things that uh, i've been able to do uh, which are good, right? Good things. Uh, but if I didn't love her first, 
then none of those things would go well. None of those things would go right. And I wouldn't be able to do them uh, well or rightly because first we have to go, okay, what's primary? What's most important? God, my spouse, my family. And then he frees us up to do other things really, really well. And so we wonder why there's like all these other areas of our life. And like, man, if I could just get this right, I don't understand why this doesn't work well. Are we loving God first? Are we loving our spouse? Because then maybe we could be a little freed up to do other things. And so here's the last fill in the blank. A greater union found. So we've got this greater purpose, a greater love, and a greater union found. And this beautiful picture, what Christ has done for the church. And he shows us here in marriage, verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this is a quote from Genesis, so we actually looked at this last week. Uh, Genesis 2.24. So again, before the fall had taken place, before any of these other things had gone wrong, God is like, Garden of Eden, man and woman, together for life in this union. And he made it perfect. Now, the fall happened. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come, what that looks like, sin, and, and just how everything is fractured. And we would be constantly from that point on working against that, our own selfishness and pride. Here he goes, it's not always the way that it was meant to be. And we'll be constantly working back towards that. And I know we think like, oh, it's impossible. We can never do that. Because we will make mistakes. I made mistakes this week. I'm sure you did too. And we've got to fall on God's loving grace for us and our spouse to go. If that person loves God more than me, it doesn't matter what I could do because they will love me no matter what. So we have to remember that. And this is as we move through this idea, I just constantly come across these ideas in culture of, you know, a guy who, who, beats up his wife or says, you know, I can do whatever I want. You ain't tell me what to do. And a wife who does her own thing. And they're never really one or together on the same page. And then these individuals who like come across paths every once in a while and there's this magical moment. But, but what if we, we looked at things a little bit differently? What if we saw, saw this as this relationship that's supposed to picture something else? And it's more significant. Because I think we think like if we could just like every once in a while get that great Facebook, you know, post or whatever, wherever you put it. And then people will think, Things are going well. What if we were more concerned about living daily, like we were really loving our spouse, like we were really trying to honor this relationship that God created from the very beginning. We've got this greater purpose and this greater love and this greater union that he's given to us that we can celebrate openly and freely. John Piper said this about marriage. Staying married, therefore, is not mainly about staying in love. It's about keeping covenant Till death do us part, or as long as we both shall live, is a sacred covenant promise, the same kind Jesus made with his bride when he died for us. And I think we like to kind of stick in like this romantic place a lot of times. And there's, there's always a place for that, right? To celebrate marriage and, and, and do something for your spouse that they would consider a loving thing, right? When Piper mentions this, he goes, it may not always be glamorous, right? It may not always be perfect. There may be a day when your spouse is sitting in a hospital bed, and they may not be walking out of the hospital, and you have to go in that moment, I still love this person. If they could do nothing else for me the rest of their lives, would I still love them? And for many of us, maybe that's a question we haven't had to answer, but, but if we would look at things in that perspective, that it doesn't matter what the other person does, because I know we think if they would just do this, then I'd be able to do that. That's not how it works. God says, here's your responsibility, so let's operate in that. I'll close it out in the last couple of verses. Verse 32 says, this, is, this mystery is profound. I love that the Bible says that about marriage. 
makes me feel better, right? This, merit, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So after this, you know, this like starting point for wives and this long list for guys, you're going like, I don't know how I'm going to do all these things, you're doing well. We lean on God's grace. But then we go, like if he was going to just summarize this in just a, a few short ways, this mystery is profound. Sometimes, yeah, I, I go like, this is confusing me a little bit. It's a mystery to me. But, but how does God unravel this and make it more clear to us? Oh, it's like Christ and the church. And that makes it all the more clear to us. And in verse 33, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. So guys, so if we could just do that, because we like ourselves a lot, right? It's easy to love yourself, especially for guys. If we could love our wife like we love ourselves. Maybe that would walk us out of a lot of bad, bad decisions, stupid decisions, things that would leave our wife feeling unloved. Uh, and then wives, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Maybe wives, that's like when your guy's a bonehead, because, you know, we are half the time, at least. When those things happen, you got to go, okay, I know he's not perfect, just like I'm not. So maybe if in this moment I could respect him, even if I don't feel like it, and there would be this beautiful thing that would take place in our marriages, this, this almost constant reconciliation, because I think it's almost like we see like conflict too. It's like, oh, no, we can't you know, ever have any disagreement or ever do anything to be in opposition. No. Um, a quote I heard recently, actually by the doctors who, uh, psychologist who created the Symbus assessment, said that conflict is the price we pay for deeper intimacy. So it's not that we avoid like having the tough conversations, not that we go like, you know, you said that thing to me the other day and it like really hurt my feelings, right? Or, you know, you did this the other day and I didn't really feel respected, you know, in front of the people we were with. And so it's okay to have those conversations, but we have to be able to honestly come back and stop going like Facebook perfect all the time because we're not. We have to come up against that every single week and go, and I am fallen. I'm not perfect, and I need God's help every single day. So if we would maybe start in that place and go, guys, love, wives, respect, uh, and may we be in a better place moving forward. And we do those things not because we just want things to be perfect, we want people to see us in a particular way, but because we go, and this is about God, this is about Christ and the church. And so maybe as other people look at us, it's not about being perfect so that people go, oh, God's awesome. It'd be about looking at our marriages going, it's not perfect, because nobody's is, but man, they are doing it. They're, they're doing it better than a lot of people that I know. And they, why do they do it? Because they love God first. And so that should be our motivation. And so as I close out, just want to remind us, so we've got this greater purpose, greater love, and this greater union that God gives to us that could be so much more significant. Like I, I just sort of wonder like how the rest, of the rest of the world operates and go like, yeah, marriage, love, and they get into it. And, and you know, we kind of are confused. Like, why did that go so bad? Well, God was never even a part of it, right? So right off the bat, like the world that doesn't know God is kind of set up for failure. But us as believers, we should be like, man, we have this greater purpose and this greater goal. And like that, that should help us point things in the right direction, or at least have a better trajectory. And so uh, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're going like, hey, we've been doing this thing 25, 30 years. Like we're good. Like we can teach other people. Great. You should be doing that. Uh, maybe you're going there like, maybe there's just like something simple like we could learn or grow in. Um, there's this one thing, this one tool I want to offer to you. It's what I mentioned at the beginning, Symbus. Um, a lot of times we think about like uh, marriage assessment or marriage counseling, that kind of stuff is like, oh, not us. <laughs> we'll never need that. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, maybe it would be like a fun kind of thing for you guys to do. Uh, let me know. I'd love to provide that to you. It's easy. I send you a link. You fill out a survey. 
and uh, then you get kind of a cool tool that's generated for you just to make you think about maybe the areas of life that you're doing really, really well in, and maybe some spaces, hey, we could improve. Um, and so alongside what God's originally designed in this greater purpose, love, and union, we could also go, what are some tools that kind of help us uh, be better at this and, and have a relationship that, like we wake up in the morning and go, like, I love that I'm a part of this. Like, wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want that, right? First comes with loving God and loving each other. And maybe just looking outside and going, is there any other resource, anything that could help with that? Uh, I'd love that offer that to you. Uh, if that's you know you afterwards, feel free to reach out to me, send me an email, um, talk to me this week, and I can get that to you. Um, but maybe for some of us, like we, we've been in here, we're listening online, and we, we don't really know what this is all about. Like, well, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, I'd like to be able to like love my spouse well. Or like, when I do get married, I want to be able to do that well. But I don't really understand this whole Christ and the church thing. Well, what we believe is that Christ came for us. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross so that if we believe in that, we could have eternal life. It's as easy as this. Hey, admit you're a sinner. B, believe. That's good for marriage, too. Admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on the cross for our sins. And C, confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Scriptures tell us that we'll be saved. Um, it's not a hard thing, and we make it hard. But uh, maybe if that's you and you've never made that decision uh, before we talk about marriage or anything else, um, let's make that right. So if you're online, reach out to us. Uh, if you're here in person, I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards, okay? Let me pray for us and we'll be closed. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity you've given us to come together. We celebrate uh, good and right things, lovely things in marriage. Uh, we pray that you'd help us understand this greater purpose, love, and union in marriage. Um, God, help us to know that we're not perfect. Uh, nobody is. Uh, and so marriage at times will be messy. It'll be difficult. Uh, but we thank you that you gave us this perfect example in Jesus um, that he came and he died on the cross for us. He gave that perfect example uh, of what the relationship should look like in marriage. Um, I pray that we, as we see this, it wouldn't just be like an old text that we've seen a hundred times, uh, but it would be something that uh, maybe transforms our lives, maybe gives us a different model of how to operate in life and in marriage. God, I pray that this would, um, as you change us, our relationship with you, we love you better uh, more than anything else. We could have those good marriages um, we could have those good relationships with our kids. Um, we could have those good relationships in the community. Anything else that we do, because we love you first and foremost. We thank you that you've given us that uh, example. Um, help us to uh, do life and marriage better as we think about those things. Uh, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Have a good Sunday. A lot of things to celebrate, so be careful in the next uh, day or so with the weather. Uh, and if you can, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, we do need some more help uh, for the memorial service tomorrow, so please let me know if you can help out with that uh, or Robin. So have a good day.